The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are my own or those of my guests, and in no way represent the views of the company or companies that I or we work for. All stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they are told. They may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Identity. You're listening to Squawk Ident, an aviation podcast dedicated to the journey and the challenges surrounding the life and career of Aviator Tony, his co-hosts, and his guests. Together, we will explore the many pathways to an aviation profession, the realities of what a professional aviator can expect in today's marketplace, and we share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony, an airline pilot currently flying for a legacy airline with close to 20 years on the flight line. This is episode 51 of Squawk Ident, recorded on the 3rd of August, 2020. Under Hawaii's mandated limited airline crew isolation from the Mobile Aviator Sound Studios on the 14th floor of the Prince Waikiki Hotel on the island of Oahu, where the only guests are the two legacy airline crews staying here. Yes, it's like a scene from The Shining. The pool has been drained, the amenities are few, and they have removed the coffee makers from the hotel rooms. Let me say that again, folks. They have removed the coffee makers from the hotel rooms. Oh my God, what was I thinking? Let's start off the show today by saying thank you to Captain Kevin Elmore for sitting down with me while on the Bradley Hartford Springfield Winterlocks layover as we recorded episode 50 of Squawk Ident. Captain, Commander, and Team USA. If you have not taken the time to visit the website to check out the guest book page, I highly encourage you to do so. There you will find some very cool images from Captain Elmore's amazing journey in aviation. I also want to extend a very special thank you to Captain Elmore's father, Mr. Cresswell Elmore. He reached out to me to share some kind words about the show and to share with me that aviation has been essential in his family's legacy. I discovered that Captain Elmore's grandfather was also an aviator, and his second cousin, a chief warrant officer for James Delaney. He was the first black helicopter pilot in the U.S. Army. With a little research on my own, I discovered that the late chief warrant officer, Delaney, joined the U.S. Army in 1944. After completing the warrant officer aviation course, he became a single and dual rotor helicopter pilot, as well as a fixed-wing pilot. During the Vietnam War, he evacuated the wounded, transported men and equipment, and laid communication lines along treetops. He was even shot down once during a mission. He managed to escape and evade until he was picked up unharmed by friendly forces. Thank you again to Mr. Elmore for sharing that with me. Aviation truly does run in the bloodlines of the Elmore family. To help me kick off, Flight 51 of Squawk Ident. Joining me here in the mobile studios is the captain that I just flew out to Honolulu with just last night. Captain Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for agreeing to be here and checking out. Uh, My captain was talking about uh, the the podcast. He was interested in, in the technical side here and all the wires that were we're stepping on over here on our feet. 
uh, to get this whole production uh, going. And for those listeners that are curious about what I bring with me on layovers in order to produce this podcast, it's uh, it's quite extensive, but it all fits in a small lunch type bag that most pilots carry on as a third bag. Usually they keep lunches in there and I happen to keep recording equipment. I have my Zoom recorder, uh, I have my, my MacBook Pro and my EFB tablet, a couple microphones and a crap load of cables and adapters. It all seems to fit pretty well in the bag and here we are uh, through the power of the internet and a good Wi-Fi connection thanks to the uh, Prince Waikiki Hotel's Wi-Fi, we're able to produce this show. Uh, so again, uh, thanks, Chris, for, for hanging out with me today. Also joining us today is an exceptional aviator. He is a professional CFI, I, and MEI flight instructor, a former Embraer 145 airline pilot, a King Air instructor, a Falcon 7X commander, a captain and corporate operator as well. He joins us from his spectacular chateau in San Diego, California. I keep saying that wrong. It's San Diego. San Diego. Uh, where he's enduring isolation in a house full of stir-crazy children and nowhere to escape to except this podcast. Please help me in welcoming back to the show, Captain Roger. Captain, how the hell are you? I'm doing all right, hanging in there. Uh, I'm happy to say that I'm, I'm feeling somewhat well-rested as, as my full chateau, as you call it. It's actually been empty the past week, and however... The fun is about to end as they're actually on their way back right now. My my children will be rejoining me for for some more educational opportunities, as I like to call them. Yes, school will be in session in in a few hours. And Absolutely. So let's take this opportunity and make the most of it. Uh, glad to have you. It's uh, it's been since well episode forty nine where you joined us, where we spoke to our Viking friends over there in Iceland. Uh, there's been some news that has reached the U.S. soil over the past few weeks about their current situation, their uh, flight attendants at the airline that they are operating at. Uh, we're having some pretty heavy contract negotiations with their company. And in the fact that the whole world is dealing with a pandemic of COVID promotions, uh, the company decided to fire or let go 100% of their flight attendants uh, in a temporary fix since they're only flying extremely limited flying into Europe from Iceland, nothing coming over to the U.S. at this point. Uh, they've decided to furlough pilots as well, and the furloughed pilots now have been called and offered the opportunity to go back to the training center to get what they're going to be called cabin safety officers. Now, cabin safety officers is a new term that they just made up. They're going to train these pilots to operate the cabin equipment to evacuate the aircraft, to go through all the, tr mess the mandatory training minus the serving of the food and beverage. And they're not asked, they're being told that, hey, you come back as a cabin safety officer, it's a temporary gig, at least you'll have a paycheck and benefits while, until you know, we recall you from the furlough for being a pilot. And that's their solution. Now, whether or not this is actually going to come to fruition is going to be uh, kind of a curious thing. I know a lot of uh, pilots here in the U.S. have been discussing this very fact that this was going to happen 
And, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're all looking at this closely because this is not good. This is not what, you know, we signed up for. I don't think this would ever fly in the U.S. Uh, with the, the strength of our associations or AKA pilots unions. Uh, so it's going to be very uh, interesting to see. Um, we're going to be doing our best to reach out to our Viking friends to find out uh, what actually is going to transpire in this current situation with uh, their current employer. Uh, and we'll keep you updated as we get the information. We'll pass it along to you. So that's uh, the last time we were all together. Um, and then last time, the flying around, and uh, I had the opportunity to interview uh, Captain Elmore, as we mentioned, and that was a very interesting conversation. Learned a lot, um, and I hope you enjoyed that show. But today, we're going to uh, kind of catch up what we're doing. We're expecting Rob to join us here. Uh, Rob D's uh, currently running around Texas, running some errands. As soon as he gets back to the house, he's going to join in on the conversation, and we'll go from there. Uh, but today, we were going to talk a little bit about Warren Letters. And what are Warren letters? And we're going to get to that a little later in the show. But for now, Roger, I just wanted to catch up with you. What have you been doing in the past few weeks? Sure. Well, I haven't been doing a whole lot of flying lately. However, given the opportunity, you know, since I, I've been staying on the ground, I had the opportunity to get back into the classroom, going back to my um, previous job or opportunity that I had teaching um, some King Air recurrent classes and so i taught actually a couple of recurrent classes the past um two within the, i guess the past two weeks or so and it's it's always interesting to go back into the classroom and kind of sit on the the other end when you're not in the hot seat if you will and actually be the guy that that runs everything where everything looks like it's easy <laughs> and then kind of being the guy that gets to critique everything in, you know looking for those looking for those things to to call you out on, I guess, if you will. Um, and so that's actually, other than that, I haven't had to do a whole lot. It's, you know, a little bit of the upside of the corporate, the corporate thing. And, you know, right now where there's not a whole lot going on. And so we find other, other ways to occupy our time, but that's what I've been doing on the, on the flying front primarily. Yeah. And you were telling me that you were doing, you know, pretty standard training and dealing with, you know, your typical turbine procedures like v1 cuts and you had an interesting uh thing to say about that how are your students doing with that sure so you know basically the way that i run the the training is i'm I'm not there to fool people that's one of my kind of my canned speech if you will on on day one uh, both of our or the recurrent classes rather are are two days and both the classes that i did were two day classes and i tell them at the beginning you know when we get into the sim i'm not trying to fool you um i'm not trying to trick you you know, just go and fly the plane and we're just looking for procedures. And and the, the number one thing far and away in terms of of students coming through isn't isn't the aircraft, but it's instrument procedures and your your basic stuff. When you start out flying instruments or you fly out or you start out flying complex airplanes. And in this in this case, I had three students over the course of these two different classes and all three of them made the same mistake. Um, you know, technically we don't call them V1 cuts, um, in the King air, but it's, it's the, the principle remains the same, which is basically as you're rolling down the runway and right as you lift off and get to your rotation point, uh, which is about hundred knots in the King air, we rotate and then I'll kill the engine on you. 
And all three students on the first one failed to pull the gear up. You know, positive rate, gear up. We do it every single day. And all three of them failed to do that. Uh, two of them eventually did figure it out on their own. The third one, actually, I let him fly around for probably about 30 seconds. 30 seconds is usually about my limit. That's when I'll go ahead and pause the sim, and that's when the students will start looking around. Because at that point, they know, hey, something's, something's wrong. Because otherwise, why is the simulator just stopped? Um, and I, at that point, they figure out, hey, something's wrong. And then I wait for them to figure it out, wait for those three green lights there staring at them. But I thought it was an interesting thing that all three of them did not get the gear up. Um, in this case, two of the three actually were professional pilots. The third one is actually an owner pilot because we do, um, some people fly their own airplanes, those are the owner pilots. And it is a bit of a sliding scale. But even the two professional pilots failed to pull the gear up. A lot of times when you go in the simulator, you know exactly when that's going to occur. And I do take great pains or go to, to lengths to try and disguise the fact that that's when it is what's going to happen next. And um, even after the debrief, the, the third guy who I just had a few days ago actually flat out said it. Well, I didn't know you were going to do it on the first one. And that, and and I looked at him and I go, that's exactly the point. You know, if you actually experience an engine failure on departure, let's face it, as as pilots, and we all say that we're good pilots, and we all say that we're going to think about if we have an, you know, engine failure on departure, and it becomes kind of a canned thing, especially where you guys are flying in a multi-crew environment. Well, if we experience an engine failure, a V1 cut, you know. Well, we're going to bring the gear up and then we're going to accelerate and then at V2 or whatever, you know, your, your guys' number is V2 plus 15. We're going to pull the flaps up and go fly out. Okay, that's great. Except then all of a sudden when we get in there, things go haywire. And I see it in that training environment all the time. Now, granted, in a 121 environment, it is definitely different. We're flying just a, a FAR 23 airplane. You're not required to go through the, the regimented training that the 121 environment does, but I still it's still unfortunate and there's still too many accidents that occur. And even in the King air world, especially where there's been a number over the past several years and, and a couple of them, the gears hanging down. And in these turbo props, you know, it's not a turbo fan engine where you can still climb out on one engine at 1500 to 2000 feet a minute. If you're doing 300 to 400 feet a minute, you're doing good. And then you leave that gear down and you're up at a higher elevation or a higher, you know, temperature departure. And bad things can happen. And I want, I want the students to kind of have that as part of their takeaway that, that look, I try and simplify it for them. Step one, fly the airplane. Step two, get the gear up. Step three, we've got a prop. we got to make sure that it has feathered and then go back to flying the airplane. And that's really all we're trying to do. And I try so hard to simplify that for them in the, in the classroom. And yet, for whatever reason, too many times, we skip that simple step that we do on every single departure. So anyway, you know, coming back into the classroom, that was that was my biggest takeaway from that was that all three of them failed to get the gear up um, after popping an engine. And it's it's one of those things that I think is a good takeaway for all of us to to try and keep it simple and remember the basics. Yeah, we run through that uh, in the airline operation as well. We do the uh, the the pre-departure briefing and the pilot flying usually does the brief at our carrier at legacy airlines uh the captain can either do the pre-flight 
uh, departure briefing, or they can kind of give you one or two things and then hand it over to the first officer if it's the first officer first officer's leg, and then they'll give the departure briefing. And it's the same thing, like you're saying, you know, we go through this kind of mundane, it's the same thing over and over again. There's a script that we can read from if, if we want to, uh, you know, in the event of an engine failure, you know, anything before 80 knots, we'll abort, uh, after 80 knots, if the airplane talks to us or engine fire failure, or if fear the airplane won't fly, or we get any of these other oral units, we're going to abort up to V1 after V1, we'll handle the situation airborne. Okay, so we go through these these briefings, and after a while, they, they get so, after years of saying the same thing, it's, you don't even think about it. You're just, you're spitting out, like, music They're lyrics. just words. They're just words. And then all of a sudden, you have the human factor of, in real life, you're taking off, and all of a sudden, bam, and now you're like, oh, what's it doing? Is this really happening? <laughs> Have you had an experience like that? Step one, denial. It's not happening. You, you don't believe it. Yeah. And then step two, eventually, you go, acceptance. All right, okay, this did happen. And, and time's going. Yeah. The yeah. clock is ticking, and you know how you react is really dependent on how your training and your complacency level. And so this is it. It is a real thing. And, you you know, I I have actually in the 120 world or 121 world, I had an experience with a Czech airman out of Chicago O'Hare where that happened. Um, We could not have been more than 30 knots on departure roll. And we got a cabin emergency. This was in the 145, which Tony, I know you're familiar with. And we're rolling down. Um, I'm in the right seat flying with a Czech airman. and chief pilot, a base chief pilot, and we are 30 or 40 knots and ding, 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 the cabin emergency light goes on and he did nothing. It was his leg. He did, he literally did nothing. And he kind of looked at me and I said, well, are you going to (laughs) stop? This is with a Czech airman out of Chicago O'Hare. And by that time we were probably about 60 knots. So it wasn't, you know, we still, were not in the high speed regime. We got nice long runways out there at O'Hare and it, it was a non-event, but it does happen. It becomes so canned. They're just words. Anything below 80 knots, we're going to board for anything. Yeah. Check airman chief pilot. And here we are. And he it's a label, man. to tell him, Hey, it's are you going to stop? <laughs> and as it turned out, it, it, the, the end story is kind of funny is that air force one was, was actually on the ramp off to the left side and the, and the flight attendant had grabbed the phone to tell the passengers that if they wanted to look at air force one, we were passing it and she hit the wrong button as she reached out behind her. And so there was no, that, that was all that it was. But again, it's, it's that takeaway that, you know, we up on the flight deck, we have no idea what's going on. And yeah. for whatever reason, we just kept going. <laughs> like, are you going to stop? Yeah. Did you eventually abort or did he keep oh, going? Yeah. We, yeah. Um, at about 60 knots, we were going to abort, but even in the time that it took for him to register it, that, you know, we've got a cabin emergency ding, ding, ding going off. Well, why was that not just, did you, why are you not? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt stop. you. Did you hear any of that? What was going on over here? No, we just had a tsunami siren go off for at did least. You really? Yeah, 30 seconds. I don't know if you could pick that, if you heard it on the, the microphone, it. picked it up. But I'm sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, that makes sense. No, quite all right. Because yeah. I was in the shower, and I heard the the door on the shower, the glass door, boom. And I was like, did the maid come in the room? Is somebody banging on the door? So, I, yeah, I was hearing the door kind of rattle. So 
We must have had a little. Shit. Maybe we, we had a little earthquake. earthquake. Yeah, a little earthquake. Yeah, or horrible. the volcanoes erupting. Yeah. Hey, go. check out. Look at look at the big hey, island. We're, we're reporting live. Yeah. <laughs> Your flight's leaving early. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I wasn't hearing things. Okay, you know, so yeah, I, I guess, yeah. You know, there's nobody at this hotel, so I mean, you could hear the freaking crickets in the hallway. You know? I think it's funny that there's nobody in this hotel, and the only two people at the hotel are sitting two feet from each other. Well, this is pretty much what we are in the cockpit, too. So it's okay. I, well, I know. But you're the only two people in the hotel, and you're, you're right there, there. there. There's two more that look just like us that are going to fly us back tonight while we there, sleep in the back. You're right yeah. Home. Yeah, while we ride home, plus the flight attendants. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I, I were, before the show started, uh, Roger and I were kind of catching up, and I was explaining to him how, so this is a wonderful trip. This is the first time I've been back at the island. Uh, we're going to kind of get into that here in a moment uh, since March. And... Uh, I was excited, you know, uh, but then my schedule changed uh, about a week ago. And instead of flying out, having a, about a 19 hour layover and then flying back this afternoon, landing at, at LAX in the evening, uh, my schedule, that, that flight return flight canceled. I figured they were going to scrap the whole thing and I was going to, you know, basically lose the entire trip. But no, they, they moved my return leg to a deadhead on the red eye going back to LA. So Chris and I are going to be deadheading tonight in, uh, luckily, in first class back to Los Angeles, where we can get about a four or five hour nap if we so choose. Uh, and we noticed that there were some deadheading crew members flying out to Honolulu with us, captain and first officer. And, and I knew the captain. I'm like, what, what are you doing? You're deadheading out with us? What, what time do you go back? He goes, oh, we do the red eye back. So we're flying you out. And you're flying us back. Uh-huh. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for it. At sweet. least one of you stay in landing current. Yeah. Yeah, he gave it to me because, I, you know, the, he felt sorry he for me. He needs the practice. No, I mean, he's the one that got the warning letter. I'm not going to be put on the street, possibly. So yeah. I said, you can have it. <laughs> and it was a good landing. It was, it a good, was, it was, very, it was very good. Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, even a blind even, squirrel gets even a blind squirrel. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, you were talking about, uh, and, I, and I apologize for interrupting you, you were talking about your students and going through these kind of the motions and how we kind of get complacent over, over time when we, and, and you just kind of, you have a human factor. It's that whole shock, that initial reaction to, oh shit, is this really happening? And that's a normal human behavior. And what our training really is all about is reacting in a in a manner which we minimize that shock factor and go into our automatic recovery technique memory sure. items memory profiles and you weren't seeing that from people now were these new people on the aircraft because you're not giving no. type ratings you're giving training correct and these were recurrence this was not initial um initial courses these were people all of them the newest one this was their third time through training that wow. was the most recent, but you know, it goes back to what, um, what captain Chris had just said. It's, it's denial and we all do it. You know, yeah. is this, is this really happening? But like you said, there's an element of time that comes with that. And, and fortunately, most of the time, I don't think that, you know, that one or two seconds, most of the time is, is not going to be the factor between life and death. Uh, but sometimes, unfortunately, it is. And, and just from that training environment, and I'm sure that you guys have seen it too, 
um, obviously for the amount of time that you've been around, it is real. It is something that we do always, we always need to be aware of, even though if we're all being honest with each other, we're all guilty of it also. Absolutely. And, and the funny thing is we were kind of talking about this and lately anybody that's on social media knows that there has been a, a video that recently got posted of a Cessna 172 doing some training. Now, you have the luxury of being in a simulator. And in the simulator, it's a safe environment. You're not going to go home with a bloody nose or a broken arm, if not worse, if you muck up your training. But not everyone has the ability to use a simulator, especially in general aviation, and especially when you're dealing with a Cessna 172. So this video came up and... <laughs> I saw this and I, I just have to share it with you. So I'm going to share screen here and let's take a look at how it could go terribly wrong. So we're looking at a 172 on approach. He's saying, oh, those guys aren't professional like us. They touch down. Oh, nice landing. Flaps up. Okay, gear up. Oh, no. I s and so the student... <laughs> the student puts the gear up instead of flaps up. Okay, so anyone, and I'll post this on YouTube later, but so what's the lesson here? And for those of you listening on the podcast, you don't have the video, let me give you a rundown of what we just saw. So it's like a GoPro camera sitting in the middle on the, on the rear bulkhead of the, the cockpit there in the 172, and it's capturing really over the shoulder of both pilots, and you can see they're, they're on short final. Now, number one rule, right? Sterile cockpit. Now you're in a training environment, so the only thing you can talk about is what is pertinent to the flight and, or the training. The instructor mentioning on the short final, those guys aren't professional pilots like we are. Okay, that's not really pertinent to training. That's okay. I got gotcha you there. That's not a big deal. So they touch down. They're doing a touch and go procedure. And this is a retractable gear aircraft, whatever it is. And they touch down. And as soon as you touch down, now you have to take off again. So you have to get configured for takeoff configuration. Now, that particular aircraft, I, I don't know, he said, I don't know the legitimacy of this video, but it is, it is, we're using it as a lesson, a learning lesson here. And he says, flaps up. And the student says, okay, gear up. And he puts the gear up. Now, what happens is the left main landing gear comes up collapses the aircraft, this tricycle gear aircraft now is leaning to the left side and scraping the left wingtip. And he says, what the hell are you doing? He's a couple expletives or go out there and, he, and the FO or the, the student pilot looks over and says, well, you said gear up. And he says, I said flaps up, you idiot. <laughs> so this is how things can go very wrong here really fast. And it's just a matter of being diligent and really listening up and not Jackie Channing the controls. Uh, so, yeah, it, 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 shit happens. <laughs> but that was a very costly one. Ah, as you can see, uh, another person has joined us here on the podcast. He is uh, a former international and professional racquetball champion, a member of the 9G Club, an AMP and avionics tech, an RC aircraft commander, a pickleball master, and a 737 pilot for Legacy Airlines. The name we use here on the show is an alias to our employer, a U.S. mainline carrier. 
from his fortress of isolation where he has a garage stocked full of toilet paper, hand sanitizer, N95 mask, and quite a few RC aircraft, I must say, from somewhere in Flower Mound, Texas. Help us and welcoming back to the show, Rob D. Rob, what the hell's going on with you? What's up, fellas? Good to be back. It's been a couple of weeks. And um, sorry I missed you guys a couple of shows ago, but uh, it's good to be back, ready to uh, get back with all the uh, subjects that we've been uh, talking about. Well, you've been busy. You've been commanding your vessel out on the lake with the, with the girls and sending <laughs> me pictures as if you're trying to make me <laughs> jealous. And I'm, let me tell you, it's working. It's working. We are definitely maximizing our time that we have available with the kids and the boat, and we're getting a lot of use out of it. I think I put well, two months that I've had the boat. I think I put over fifty, maybe sixty hours on the boat. Quite a few tanks of gas. Yeah. So, uh, well, gas is cheap. Yeah, we're having. A, it is. It is. It's nice. <laughs> uh, so we're we're just having a good time out there. We were thinking about going out today, but uh, just kind of pressed for time on some things. So, but here I am. Yeah. So. Last time we had you on the show was uh, episode 47, when the three of us were together. Airline Apocalypse, that was a good show, where we kind of talked about everything that was kind of starting to happen and unravel, especially with the stimulus package that the airlines received and how their expiration date is going to be October 1st. And we were talking about the current information that we had at the time, and now here we are today. And it's really not looking any better. Um, now, the revised seniority list came out just a few days ago. And I took a look. And right now at Legacy Airlines, with a little over two years of seniority, I'm at about 1,980 and change from the bottom of the pilot list. How about yourself, Rob? Did you take a look yet? Yeah, I looked. I'm about 2,200 numbers, 2,200 numbers, uh, 2,200 guys junior to me. So I am definitely uh, in the uh, in the bullseye of of that furlough list. So I'm got to be honest with you, man. I, my cage is a little rattled. I'm a little nervous, but um, I'm I remain optimistic that we're you know the the company's gonna be able to fig- figure something out and. Hopefully we have a vaccine soon. I think that'll be part of the solution. But uh, yeah, I'm there. I'm right there with you. Did you get your warn letter? We got a email from the from the company's union, uh, so we don't get letters here in Texas. I think there's only uh-huh. like California, New York, and a couple other states. I actually have to physically mail a letter. Uh, we can be notified through our unions, and we did. We got that the other day with an email. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it it's rattled my cage as well. I know we've been talking about this, and uh, I think the tone of, of our show is very much positive, and we're doing our best to keep calm and carry on as uh, one of the show titles from the past. Um, and, you know, don't panic and all these things. And I, I maintain true to that philosophy. Um, here at Legacy Airlines, we are, I think, in better shape than most. Uh, I, we were going to talk a little bit about that today, uh, about what a warn letter is, and then kind of 
move on with a little bit more positive news after that. But let's dive into it because a lot of people have been seeing these posts, especially on social media, about Warren letters and furloughs and things like that. Um, so what is a Warren letter? It's the Worker Adjustment and Retaining Notification Act of 1988. Okay. So it is a U.S. labor law which protects employees, their families, and communities by requiring that most employers with 100 employees or more to provide a 60-day calendar day advance notification of plant closings or mass layoffs as defined by the Act. So a warn letter is not a warning letter. It is a Worker Adjustment and Retaining Notification Act. It's there to let you know that, hey, you might want to look for a job somewhere else because you might get furloughed or laid off soon. And so it's a heads up. Now, the heads up letter doesn't mean that you're going to get furloughed. And for some carriers, that is a very true thing. It's that they're just, they have to go with an initial assessment. I know we've read uh, over the past few weeks that United uh, sent out warn letters to a number of their pilots, and their initial calculation was inaccurate. And unfortunately, an additional was it eighteen hundred pilots? Did you read, Rob? That that got an additional warn letter. So now it's up to over a third of their entire pilot group is looking at. Yeah, I don't remember the exact number, but that that sounds pretty close to the accurate accurate number. It's a lot more than they projected. Yeah, which is the worst case scenario. I mean, you you want them to send out uh let's say 2500 and then only furlough potentially 500 and and only for a short period of time, which would be ideal. Um zero furloughs would be the best, obviously. Um and furloughs are tough. Uh, most aviators that have been around and in the industry for a while um I got a question. So what do you what do you guys what are your feelings on that United News? You think that's just a posturing thing for the uh payroll protection um program that's being debated in the uh in the government right now? Do you think that they inflated their numbers just to possibly uh you know create more of an urgency in the in in the government to uh, pass the, the payroll protection program? I don't know. I mean, I think uh, if they would have had a huge number at the beginning and then not use any of them, I, I would say that would be a true statement. Um, I don't know if having an initial number and then saying, well, you know, the industry hasn't bounced back like we thought it would, so we're going to add almost 2,000 more people to that list of furloughs. It could. I mean, I, I think there's a strategy at all of it. But let's look at those numbers. Uh, through uh, through some little bit of research, and, and don't quote me on the exact numbers uh, because these numbers tend to be changing almost hourly. But warn notices uh, have gone out to over twelve thousand five hundred pilots across the U.S. and have been they've been issued to signal the potential furloughs. United, the total number that they sent out of warn letters, three thousand nine hundred. Delta sent out twenty five hundred. American sent out 2,500. Piedmont sent out 130 to the regional. Allegiant, 275. Spirit, 800. Frontier, 500. Republic, 933 pilots, 400 downgrades. And they're closing the Houston base and their Kansas City base. PSA has sent out warn letters to 730 pilots, 
with an announcement that they're closing Knoxville and Norfolk as bases. Hawaiian said they're going to send out approximately 175 WARN letters. Envoy, the subsidiary to American, sent out 350 WARN letters. GoJet, all pilots were sent WARN letters. Air Wisconsin sent out 350 pilots. Now, unless you know the total number of pilots, you don't really get the full scope of what's going on. Uh, one website that most aviators, especially when they're trying to get a job and make an idea of, of you know, which carrier is probably the best to go apply to, go to airline, what is it, airlinepilots.net? I think it's airline apps. Airlinepilotcentral.com. That's where it is. Airlinepilotcentral.com. Um, so if you Google it and, uh, and, uh, and check it out. And they give you up-to-date, people update that all the time. They give you up-to-date numbers on pay, on total pilots, on aircraft in the fleet. Um, so then you can do kind of a percentage breakdown and, and see really how bad these warn letters are going to be affecting. But it gets worse. We've, we've had news over the past few weeks of closures of entire airlines. United just announced a deal. It's been all over the news here the past couple of days that they had two regional jet contracts and they've decided to go with only one. And so ExpressJet is out. Well, that was the last flying ExpressJet had. They've lost all their other flying. So they're going to be closing their doors completely by the year 2021. Transstates Airline has already ceased operations permanently. They did that on April 1st, and Compass Airlines ceased operations permanently on April 5th. Another uh, airline over in Alaska, Raven Alaska, filed for bankruptcy and laid off all of its employees on the 5th. So this is a pretty major uh, event, and yes, Congress needs to pay attention to this, because we're only talking about pilots here. We haven't even scratched the surface with all the other labor groups that are in the industry, from gate agents to mechanics to flight attendants. I mean, over at American, I heard that uh, their flight attendant group, they're going back over 10 years in seniority and furloughing 10 years worth of flight attendants. That's crazy. You know, you've been with a company a decade, you think you're pretty much safe unless something major happens. Well, guess what? Something major has happened. So hopefully October 1st, we'll get better numbers, more facts about what actually is going to happen, how many people are actually going to get furloughed. Um, normally, you want the company to be very conservative and send out as many furlough notices as they think think worst case scenario would happen. Uh, and then in the reality, uh, bring that back to uh, the minimal furloughs as possible because furloughs cost money as well. So, you know, let's see what happens. It could be, like you said, Rob, uh, a, a chess move, some, some posturing to try to get another stimulus package approved. Uh, let's just, you know, hope for the best here and see how it all turns out. I know, Chris, you've got a pretty long career in aviation. Um, and luckily you've not had to be furloughed here. You've, you've, your timing has been impeccable, but is there any insight you can give to us, uh, generation that, you know, been only doing this for maybe a decade or two and, and are now dealing with furlough maybe for the first time? Good luck and timing. <laughs> you don't, you don't control it. You know, it's, you, you know, who's the best airline? 
the one that hires you first and you're there yeah. and you're, you're stuck with it. So, if, you know, they do well, you do well. If things go bad and you were the last one in the door, you're the first one shown the door. And yeah, I was fortunate, came in right at the front of a hiring wave and a lot of people behind me. And then 9-11 happened. Yeah, I went backwards, but I was, I was retained and yeah. I wasn't worried about it. I, you know, I got I got kind of low, and yeah, company was going to come back for another bite of the apple, say we're going to need another thousand pilots, another fifteen hundred or something, and I was going to end up near the bottom. I probably would have talked to one of my buddies and said, "Hey, I'm going to take the stand instead, and I'll go work for you know a company as an engineer. I'll go do business development for you know one of the defense contractors or something till it all blows over." Yeah. Yeah. And it it really is kind of a, like Rob mentioned, I mean, it it rattles the cage. For most of us, it's our livelihood, um, especially if we're a single income earner like myself. um, You know, what am I going to do? Welcome to Walmart. (laughs) Yeah. I was wondering if when uh, you were about to flow over from Sandpiper, if you had the same thought that I did as, you know, hey, you know, we're, pretty senior over there. You know, obviously we weren't the most senior pilots, but when you um, made your way over to Legacy, if uh, you, if that even crossed your mind about being furloughed because we're, you know, at the bottom of the list, if anything happened, you know, for me, when I was getting ready to flow over from Sandpiper, I got to tell you, I was like, man, now we're at the bottom of a list and, you know, we're really exposed to furlough if anything happened. And next thing you know, here we are, yeah. you know, three years later, I was like, I, I can't believe I'm here, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't think of furlough and starting out in this career, it was a different time. And a lot of the, the senior captains that I flew with would say, you know, in a career, you can expect to be furloughed a minimum of once and an average of twice. And in a bad career, bad choices, bad timing, three or four times. But you're always going to have a minimum of once. And anybody that hasn't been furloughed is either lucky or lying. And I, I actually thought that times have changed and that wasn't going to happen. And we've talked about it ad nauseum in, in the early episodes of Squawk Ident, where, you know, this is a different time. You know, there was a pilot shortage. We were, you know, this career field was a field where we would tell our friends and friend, the children of our friends and family, don't do it. Don't become a pilot. And then now all of a sudden we were changing our tune and we we're saying, absolutely, it's a great career to get into. Tell them to start studying now because by the time all these retirements happen in the next 10 years, all these thousands of pilots, mandatory retirement is at age 65, there's going to be a huge shortage and you're going to upgrade, you're going to be senior and you're, you're going to have a wonderful career and you're going to make good money. Um, when I, when I came over from Sandpiper, I honestly thought, well, now I'm on probation and I've got to really do my best to shine and put my best foot forward. And, you know, as I do on every flight, uh, operate as if it's my last, I honestly have always felt like this is an absolute privilege and and I'm going to do everything to protect that. So I operate, and I and I pretty straight and narrow um, style of flying. I never thought 
that furlough was going to be an issue. I thought, hey, I'm at the tip of the pyramid. I finally made it. I'm freaking Rocky Balboa on the steps of the the art museum in Philadelphia. You know, I, I could hear the music playing every time I thought about it. And the only thing I thought that would be a detriment is if something were to have happened while I was on probation. And I passed probation, and I thought, that's it. As long as I show up to work, I don't do something stupid, I don't bang up an airplane, I'm good. I'm set to retire. All yep. I got to do is keep my medical. So I stay healthy. I stay fit. I go run. Um, Chris and I just got back from an eight and a half mile run, run, walk around Diamond Head. I mean, Damn, this dude. is the life. Run, walk, jog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Survive. Rest. Yeah. Hi. Somebody chasing you? What? What's going on? Yeah, well, there are cops everywhere. Volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're under this, uh, and we'll talk about here in a second, uh, this uh, Hawaii quarantine or crew quarantine, which is a little different. But, um, but yeah, I never thought, to answer your question, that furlough was on the table. And then when COVID started, or at the time, coronavirus, this career path, I still remain confident in the fact that it's a good one. I still think that this is, initially, we were talking on the show about this being a bump in the road. We were giving estimates of, hey, 90 days, and then six months, and then that turned into, uh, give it a year. Now I don't know. Now I don't know because, really, there's too many outside factors. We have, we have these inflated numbers from the, the M5 media, the, mass, the five mass media's outlets that all have interests in corporates, uh, lobbyists, and in the Chinese Communist Party playing a role in what media is being released and disseminated. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I'm a realist. And I, and I do try to maintain that critical idea that, that we have to be smart about things and ask the questions of why things are happening and not just take the Max Hedrum's word for it. Um, and Chris and I were talking about this ad nauseum on the flight over. We had five and a half hours to kind of have these kinds of discussions coming over. Um, and especially when you're with CPDLC, you're not talking to anybody or making regular position reports via voice. So we had plenty of time to, to have these debates. But um, we both kind of agreed that there's a lot going on. There's a lot of outside factors. There's a lot of outside political factors in this. And it really, until there's some viable either inoculation or vaccine or whatever it's going to be, this is going to continue for a while. So. How long? We have no idea. These furlough notices have rattled our cages. If you know a pilot, by all means, give them a call. Make sure they're doing okay and tell them you're, you're going to be okay. We've talked about programs out there. If you're at an air carrier and you're one of these pilots that received a WARN letter, there are always um, organizations associated with your union or with your company that are there for you. There's the Employee Assistance Program, EAP. Uh, I know Legacy has a few programs, uh, ones called uh, Flaps or Wings or something like that. I don't want to really get too specific about that, but there are programs out there. Your union rep can easily put you in communication with someone that'll just talk to you about what's going on. We need to stick together, all of us. So, you know, Crisp had a, a very small gesture. It's not a big deal on who flies. I get paid the same. He gets paid the same. But he's like, you got a warn letter. You fly this out to Honolulu. Who knows the next time you're going to be able to do this? Um, B2 
be nice to your <laughs> be nice to your FOs or your your pilots that you know uh, may not have a job. It's just extremely stressful, and that's the last thing we want to have to deal with with your pilot. <laughs> no, honestly, I I've I've been kind of uh, I, I've had a couple flights the last couple of weeks, and and I, I'm flying it like I'm never going to fly again. You know, I'm just I'm having a good time. I I'm uh haven't really been going anyplace fun but um you know just enjoying the time that i'm up there and uh the other day we actually had a hold for a thunderstorm you know and then we we actually had to divert and um you know normally those those situations you're just kind of like ah you know it creates so much more work and you know makes your day so much more so much longer um but i gotta tell you man we're i was up there in the hold and and kind of like holding over a Stanfield, you know, going into a, um, uh, you know, Casa Grande on the ILS, you know, there to what what I forget what runway three, you know, you get in the stack in Stanfield, and you have guys 500 feet above you, guys 500 feet below you. So we're holding over Dillo Intersection, which is about roughly 30 miles due west of Fort Hood, Colleen, Texas, and we're at like 30,000 feet. And there was Southwest above us. It was Delta below us. We're all going to, we were all going to Austin and we're all just burning holes in the sky. We're, we're all kind of like, as we hit the hole here, Southwest was right there and Delta was right there. And so anyways, I was just eating it up, man. I was like, man, I'm, I'm probably won't see this for a while again. And then uh, when we diverted into uh, uh, Fort Hood, the captain was like, I've never been here before. I, I, I didn't even know this place even existed. And I'm like, I probably did this five or six times a day for about 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I could tell you everything about this place, although there's not much to talk about. But um, uh, so that was kind of fun and getting to see some of the Sandpiper people again. And uh, yeah. so anyway, yeah, I was just eating it up, you know. Yeah. Like so I speaking of, we, we kind of dove into the Warren letters because that's what, you know, I wanted to know if you, if you got one or how that was going. So let's catch up with you. Let's, let's get back on the uh, SGN track here with some good news. So you've been flying, obviously. I saw that you did uh, send me information there last week on your holding adventure. Uh, what yeah. other flying have you been doing? Well, I got to look, man. I've, I've been a lot doing a lot of day trips, which is crazy. Either I screwed up or some senior guy screwed up and didn't bid these things. So I had a lot of day trips last last month. And I've been doing flying to like um, San Francisco, um, L.A. turns, um, Vegas turns. I only had, let's see, three overnights last, last month. Albuquerque, Minneapolis, and Tampa. Everything else were day trips. So um, uh, the weather's been good. Flying with some really good guys, some really senior guys. Um, one guy was three hundreds, I guess, in the company. So, um, he was, he was, um, yeah, he was kind of fun just to, you know, Hey, how do you bid? Oh, if I just pick two or three things, cause I know what the first guy likes. So (laughs) nice. (laughs) that must be nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, doing a lot of day flying, I actually got, uh, 95 hours of, of, uh, of flying last month because uh wow. i i was i i need i need to make as much as i can <laughs> yeah. i got a boat and some kids and volleyball so uh <laughs> we gotta fly as much as i can but i was kind of restricted to 
previous months because of of, of uh, the company um, doing the monthly max thing. So I was restricted to like 50 hours before that. And then, um, so anyways, I just tried to make up a little bit last month. But uh, the trips have been good. Weather's been fairly good, except for that, you know, one time we had to divert. Um, and uh, yeah, just really day trips. I go to work five, six o'clock in the morning, and I'm done by like one or two o'clock in the afternoon. So when you diverted to the hood, did you take off right away and go make it to Austin, or did you end up spending the night? It was, uh, you know, we did we we did a, a fuel quick quick stop for fuel, and we were in the air within. 35 40 minutes i mean it was really it worked out really well we were the only plane there um so uh, we they were they were really happy to see a legacy airlines uh airplane there they've they were saying they've never they never have a legacy divert into there so they were as we were uh making our way to the uh to the airport i was talking to the station manager and you know hey we're 737 you know we have slides on our doors. So, you know, we'll have you guys open the door from the outside. You know, we'll need stairs trying to coordinate the whole thing so that as soon as we landed, there was a fuel truck there. They had the stairs ready. Um, all we had to do was just pull the stairs up, do the walk around as they refueled the airplane and uh, got our new release. And we just were turn and burn. It was kind of like a, a sandpiper quick turn at an outstation. Yeah. So it worked out pretty quick. And, and let's talk about good. diversions since you since you've so eloquently brought up the procedure here. <laughs> you know, diversions happen. Um, the best story about diversions is always when you go into an outstation or, or, or a, basically a divert airport that you never really go into unless you have to divert. And when you told me. Yeah, we diverted, and they were like, well, I'd never seen one of them uh, Legacy uh, 7.3s before. That's <laughs> how like, it was. Wow. <laughs> well, they, they had they had three three workers out there with cameras or taking pictures or like, hey, look who dropped in. And the even the uh, air traffic control tower, they were like, well, why are you guys coming here? Are you guys picking up troops? Because usually, you know, it's Fort Hood, the Army base there. You know, are you guys picking up some troops that are deploying? We're like, no, we're actually weather diverting. We were on our way to Austin, and uh, we need to stop in here to get gas. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Well, welcome. We never see you guys here. Well, here you are. <laughs> so it was pretty neat. Yeah. So when, when an airplane goes from point A to point B, for the listeners out there that uh, may not be aviators themselves, um, you normally have... Enough fuel to get there, plus you need 45 minutes of reserve fuel, meaning I get there and I go to shoot an approach, and for whatever reason, I have to do a go-around, and now I've got 45 minutes to turn around and come back and try again a few times, maybe, possibly even. Um, when you're not given an alternate airport, you always have what's called a contingency airport, and the dispatchers out there know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, even though there's not one listed on your flight release, a Part 121 carrier has to have a contingency airport. Now, that airport can be a military base. It just has to have certain criteria, and every airline has their own criteria. And I believe at one point, at least at Sandpiper, I know, was that the runway had to be a minimum of like 5,200 feet or something like that. And it had to be within so many miles of your destination. So there's a contingency, whereas if you get there, you didn't have an alternate filed, and all of a sudden somebody gears up on the one runway, and they can't get that airplane 
off the runway anytime soon. And now you're like, well, now what? So you can contact dispatch and then they would refile you to your contingency airport. And that 45 minutes of reserve is for these kind of scenarios. Now you were dealing with thunderstorms as we do in the summertime, especially, mm-hmm. especially yep. in, in the, the central uh, area of the country as Texas is. And plus you had a lot of weather coming up from the coast. I believe it was a hurricane. You remember yeah, the name of it? Yeah, there was a hurricane. That was, uh, I think it already um, did its uh, damage down there on the coast. I don't even remember the name of it because um, I, I, I didn't have to fly into it or around it or anything like that. But there was a, a basically a cold front that came through North Texas, which <laughs> cold front, yeah, dropped the temperature down to the low 90s instead of the high 90s. There you go. <laughs> but um, that, so that that created a lot of thunderstorms. And, um, so we were, we were on our way from Dallas to Austin. Our alternate was San Antonio. So, you know, South of Austin is San Antonio. So the, our alternate for Austin was on the other side of the, of our destination, but it was also on the other side of the weather. So in other words, we had to go through the weather, not only to get to our destination, but also our alternate. So you know, it's kind of probably a poor choice of alternates, but um, the good thing about that is, you know, you had a little extra fuel because, you know, the alternate is further down the road. So while we were holding, um, the nearest airport was uh, Gray Army Airfield or Fort Hood, Colleen, Texas. And uh, so we just double checked our diversion guide, and that was one of the approved diversion airports for refueling and everything. And so uh, the captain, Use that handy dandy little crew phone app, call the uh, dispatcher, oh, yeah. and uh, and checked in with him and said, "Hey, is can we change our alternate to uh, Fort Hood? That that'll give us an extra like twenty minutes of hold fuel, and um, then we can, if we had to, we could just drop right into uh, Fort Hood, and that's ex- essentially what we did. We we were in the hold for about man, we were in the hold for probably thirty minutes." And we had easily another 20, 30 minutes of hold fuel on board. But uh, at the 30-minute mark, which is really close to our EFC time, uh, ATC came back. And uh, EFC, by the way, may, our listeners may not know, it is the effect, uh, expect further clearance time, meaning that if uh, this time, uh, if, you, if you get to the certain time that they give you, um, this is when you could either expect to leave the hold or when they will give you a different time to expect to leave the hold. Um, so we came up to our EFC time and then they told us that the uh, hold times are now indefinite. The airport doesn't know when they're going to be able to accept traffic. So at that time, it was pretty easy choice just to say, all right, set of burning gas up here. Let's go down get some more gas and hopefully by the time when we land which was our plan the weather would have moved through everybody else would have diverted in the air (laughs) and we would have been ready to go with gas in our tanks for the quick i think it's probably a 10 15 minute flight from fort hood to austin so we'll be right back with the show after a brief word from our sponsors Yeah, and you know, you said something earlier, and I and I believe Chris kind of picked up on it too. This first officer is a very talented young man because he knew Fort Hood, 
And instead of being the type of FO that's just kind of along for the ride going, oh, oh, okay, I guess we're going there. I, I guess I'll need an approach plate and I'll get the ATIS and, and I, you know. He was communicating with their operations while en route, letting them know, hey, we're diverting to your airport. And this is an aircraft that I know for a fact that you don't normally get. We have things called slides. You're going to have to open the door from the outside to disarm the slide. And you're yep. going to need stairs that can actually reach a 737. So yep. that's, talk about yeah. being proactive. That's wonderful that you were attentive uh, and able to, to do all this, to, to be proactive about it so that when you got there, everything was smooth. Yeah. And I mean, think about it, Tony. I mean, you were, you were, a, you know, check airman over at, at Sandpiper and so was I, you know, and you, you, we, you know, we flew into these stations all the time and, you know, the people there generally are really good at what they do. Um, but they only have, you know, so many people, they only have, you know, the equipment that they need that's necessary to, you know, work the regional jets and, you know, to be a provisional or a refueling airport, they do have to ha carry the equipment to, you know, refuel, let's say a 737 or whatever, but that's equipment that they don't normally use all the time. So they have to, you know, hey, go find it in the storage, you know, facility, which is probably where they store the boat and the trailer and the RV. The barbecue. <laughs> and for, for Texas, probably the de-icing machine and all that other stuff. And, uh, you know, they have to procure that, get it ready. And, you know, it can be a fiasco with the limited manning that they have. So, you know, while we were just kind of hanging out there in the hold and we we're starting to talk about going to Fort Hood, I was like, we better give them a call and, and give them a heads up because that's the last thing you want to do is have to deal with that when you land and wait 20, 30 minutes for them to find all that equipment and bring it out to you. So it worked out pretty good for us. Yeah. Now, Chris, have you ever had a, a hold situation where, you know, you had to drop into a provisional airport like that or? Uh... Really? <laughs> captain, no, I don't. Yeah, I haven't had, I haven't been in the captain's seat that long. Oh. Now, back in the Navy, I did one time, you know. So how do you do that? You land at another aircraft carrier? Yeah. Just no. kidding. Yeah, I'm you do that. Just, you, you don't want to do that mistakenly. I, I've, they they, they paint up your airplane pretty badly. I, I was going to say, I've seen the graffiti on the airplanes. Yeah. If you do the wrong, land on the wrong carrier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, uh, yeah, I was flying and um, doing some test flying out in China Lake in F-18s, and it was late at night, and I get a call from the the test range to let me know that the, the lights are out, you know, that the tower says the lights are out. I'm like, okay, so the guys in the tower can't see. All right, that's not a big deal. Well, they don't really, to me, that the tower is saying, no, the lights on the airfield are out. They're, they're, you can't land here. Aha, uh aha. -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, I, I don't have that contingency uh, airfield in the details, back pocket. Details. Details. Well, I, I, no problem. I, I can go to Edwards Air Force Base and it's real close. It's just right down and I can see it. Well, they close their airfield while I'm up there. I'm going, you guys aren't giving me all the information here. So, not, not, and I'd been listening to them across the mountains. China, at uh, Lamore doing FCLPs. There's hornets over there. I know how to get back over there. I was going, I'm going over here to Ridgecrest, California, if any of you guys have ever been to that little place. 
Oh, yeah, Inyokern. No, I'm in, going over to Inyokern Airport. That's where I learned about those, uh, what are the pilot-controlled lights and, oh, yeah. you know, landing down there. Bam, in the dark, uh, coyote running across the runway and park a jet there and call maintenance and go, hey, can you come get me? I just parked your jet about seven miles away. And, wow. Yeah. That's so, awesome. You know, as far as you say, the guy's coming out and looking at this 737 and taking pictures. Oh, th- those guys loved it. That's probably the most jet fuel they'd sold in a month, man, when they filled up a Hornet. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Call That's it. really awesome. Yeah, and I look at the flight schedule for the next day, and I give the guy a call. I go, by, by the way, your jet's over in uh, Inyokern. you got to go over there and get it. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you go over there and grab it. Yeah. So, you know, you adapt. But, yeah. yeah. And that's really the key is, you know, you train, train, train. You can follow SOPs all you want, but the reality of the situation, that life is that gray area of what we're talking about, like, Alpha gamma rays and alpha rays and all that other shit that's in the middle. Alpha particles, gamma rays. Alpha particles, gamma. Yeah, we were talking. We had we were running and talking about all kinds of shit, man. I'm like, wow. oh, you guys had a long flight. Well, it was a long run this morning. You know, here we are on on Hawaii time, and I mean, five in the morning. It's still dark out, and I'm oh, it's time to get up. It's like eight a.m. No, it's five a.m. Like, oh, so yeah, we ended up. Uh, meeting up with our other captain, uh, the one that's flying us back uh, today. And the three of us, uh, you're allowed to leave the hotel uh, under this Honolulu or Hawaii uh, crew member quarantine. You're allowed to leave the hotel to go get food and return back to eat it or drink it. Yeah, you got liquid nourishment. Or you can go out to do your physical exercise as long as you maintain social distancing protocols. So, uh, last night we got in, and uh, it, was, it was not too late, but hungry. So we went out and found a place to eat, happened to be on the other side of Waikiki. Uh, got some good Thai food that we were able to, to get and bring back. And then, uh, of course, the ABC stores are all open, so, you know, a couple adult beverages. Um, and then this morning I, you know, we said, Hey, I'm going to go for a run in the morning. If you want to join me, and Chris is like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll join you. Um, Slow you down, you know, no, not at all. Don't, don't feel yeah. bad about leaving me. I got about 10, 15 pounds of isolation weight I need to get rid of. So I've slowed down a couple <laughs> minutes per, <laughs> per mile easy. So actually you are was, human then, aren't you? It Tony? was perfect. It was perfect. So we, we get to running and he's telling me about how he was here in the military and how he used to have a, an apartment close by for a period of time. What was it? Oh, I don't know. I never had any apartments. No, no, no. I, I mean, for two weeks. Yeah. I mean, two yeah, weeks. I mean, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, you stayed at the, oh, I don't know, what did the, the Outrigger Reef, or you stayed at the Hilton Hawaiian Village, or wherever out here when they got the big exercises, they don't have enough place for, out Pearl Harbor or Hickam for you, so hey, you're out in town. Yeah. It's not bad. I mean, we, he's giving me all kinds of history and, and his time uh, served, uh, and then now here at uh, Legacy Airlines, all his time here, and, you know, what a wonderful history and hopefully he's be willing to share that with us someday and do a show about the journey of this particular aviator over here. Uh, I'm sure to be a good one. Just Forrest Gump my way along. That's, That's it. All there is, man. That's it. So, you know, we had some, we had some conversations about uh, the current political crisis, the current, uh, there is one. It's, it's what the, <laughs> 
political or crisis? Yeah, I don't know. both. Uh, yeah. Oh, and then we talked about, uh, you know, the what's going on with COVID and this lockdown and when is it going to let up? And, you know, we're the only, there's only two crews here at the hotel. Wow. And they're both legacy airline crews. The entire hotel is shut down. The restaurant is limited. You can go pick up food. Uh, they have a very limited menu. But every, every other amenity in this entire, what, 17, sto- 17 floor hotel is closed, shut down. Shut uh, there's by like wow. maybe 10 employees here total for us. Wow, that's horrible, man. That's it. Yeah. I mean, you don't really have to wait for the elevator. No. Yeah. <laughs> There's a plus. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when we came in, this was, this is an interesting uh, fact. Uh, so we touched down here in Honolulu, you know, cleared the runway, went right to the gate, very minimal traffic, a lot of Hawaiian Airlines uh, aircraft parked, you know, nose to butts on the runway. Wow. Um, which was weird to see. And then as soon as we got off the airplane... We secured the aircraft, walked up the jet bridge, and two members of the National Guard were there at the jet bridge, and they had the thermal, um, you know, laser thermometers, whatever they're using, uh, to check your temperature. Uh, If your temperature was over 100.4, then the entire crew was then going to be brought to another location for additional screening. So none of us, including our deadheaders, uh, had a temperature over 100.4. So then we proceeded. We had to fill out a form. It's a brand-new form. Uh, it's a COVID declaration form that you have to say that you haven't had any of these symptoms in the last 14 days or haven't been you know, knowingly exposed to anyone who had it. Sign your name away, and then you hand that in to another officer who checks your, you, you off on the list, and they hand you the rules. You know, the, the governor's decree of what you can and cannot do by law, because all other passengers are under a 14-day self-quarantine where they go home as long as they don't have the temperature. But we're flight crew. We go out tomorrow. So we have a limited flight crew or essential worker uh, quarantine. And as we mentioned, the only two things we can do is go get food or go get exercise. The, I thought, well, hey, I'll get exercise. I'll go for a run maybe go for a swim. No. The swim in the beaches are off limits. Flight crew cannot participate in any nautical activities. So oh, for man. anyone that wants to go for a swim and then just for exercise, you can't do it. Um, the pool here at the uh, hotel um, is closed, not necessarily due to COVID, but it's because, well, the, airport, the the hotel's closed, might as well remodel the pool. So they have been working out there with jackhammers and, and sanding devices and retiling the entire very nice uh, pool wow. deck. So they're taking the time to kind of revamp the hotel. I'm sure this is going to look really nice when it's all said and done. The staff here, uh, Chris was asking the the bellman at the front desk there, uh, you know, when they think this is going to be lifted, and nobody knows. Uh, it's an indefinite quarantine until something better comes along that they can start lifting these restrictions. Um, If you get caught hanging out on the beach and they say, well, where do you live? And are you under quarantine? And okay, so you get caught up to one year and up to $5,000 in fine and one year imprisonment. So they're not joking around about this self- you know, crew member quarantine here. 
Um, so we got to be cautious. So we, we kind of stick together. We have letters from our company that uh, they've had us print out and keep in our back pocket when we're out on these layovers and trying to get food. Um, you know, the company and the union rep, uh, they always say, stay at the hotel as much as you can, stay isolated, do your part, keep everyone safe, wear your mask, all this good stuff. Uh, but since you do have to leave the hotel, especially when they're shuttered like this and there's not a good place to eat, you know, here is a form that says that you are an essential worker by the U.S. government and carry that with you in case you have a problem, in case you have a law enforcement officer start to ask you some questions. So, yeah, so far it's been so good. All right, take care, guys. Sorry to bail out a little early. No worries, man. Go be with your family and, uh, and give them all our best. Thank you for... Uh, I will do that. Oh, take and, care uh, buddy yep thanks and i'll catch you guys next time it's nice to meet you chris all right nice to meet you See ya. all right enjoy your flight back tonight all right, <laughs> all right. All right. have a good one Rod. See you guys. now that yeah See, that's what you got to do so he he's saying that <laughs> you can only exercise you can only eat uh they throw you in jail yep. you know where do you live well, that's when you start doing that. You just you slur and looking incoherent. You just point over there that I, that I live over there. I'm a hey. ho- I'm a homeless person, and I just live over here in the corner. So they're not going to mess with you. You just go lay down, and <laughs> off they go. I claim this as mine. This is where I live, man. <laughs> like, and off they go. Leave you alone. All you have to do is go to, go to that corner and go. Yeah. Oh. Mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. And, and, and then walk away. You win. <laughs> it's like spreading the virus right. one yeah. licking of yeah. the uh, handrail at a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. Uh, oh man. Anyway. Well, you know, uh, thank you for sharing boy, your uh, right. your 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 experience with us there, Rob. Because uh, you know, I have some also some good news. Um, a character that's floating around social media now for a few years that has become uh, extremely popular with uh, flight crews, pilots, uh, and um, flight attendants alike uh, is, is a young man who is really making a name for himself as a puppeteer. Uh, we've seen the character floating around the internet, and I found him a, almost, what, two years ago now. Uh, when his one of his videos on YouTube went viral, made Facebook, made Instagram, and all these other platforms. And that's the wonderful puppet we love named Captain Roger Victor. Now, Captain Roger Victor is relatively popular. Uh, there are other videos out there that we, we love to share amongst the aviation industry. There's Living the Dream. Uh, you've seen this Lego movie uh, style animated uh, Legos, and whoever has created that over the past few years, it has blown up. You know, I think they're up to four different episodes now, I think. Um, yeah, something like that. That's where the term work, 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 contracts, work, work, Contract. work. Work, work, scheduling work, management <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> so funny. if you haven't uh googled uh, living the dream uh, part one two three and four uh, i highly recommend it but back to captain roger victor so i reached out to captain roger victor or at least his handler bozo um in the past and we've been talking back and forth but unfortunately our schedules have really not mashed up and as a matter of fact, the last time we text back and forth, he indicated that he's got a pretty 
busy plate. And that is evident when you look at the AOPA magazine from last month and you look at his full page spread. Uh, they also uh, did a little video with Captain Roger on the AOPA headquarters where he was interviewed uh, about his journey in aviation. They asked him a few questions, and I'll put a link in the show notes for the AOPA uh, interview link. Um, so check it out. And to get to the show notes, whatever podcast player you're listening to Squawk Ident on, just scroll down and at the bottom of each episode, there's show notes where I usually put as much detail about what we've talked about, all every reference uh, about every news article that we mention is there, as well as the credits and the links to the websites and social media outlets. So check it out in the show notes, uh, the Captain Roger Victor link. Uh, he also made his podcast debut on another podcast. Why? I know it didn't work out with us, but uh, he did make it onto a podcast called Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. And he told me about it. He said, hey, I just did a podcast. I'm sorry, but you know, maybe, maybe next month we can get together, and I'm hoping that it works out. Uh, so I checked it out. And I got to tell you, I was impressed. Uh, Flight Attendant Joe, Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, uh, pretty good podcast. Uh, he interviews people in the industry, and he interviewed uh, two parts. The first hour was with The Puppet. Captain Roger Victor. He spoke about Speed Tape Airlines, uh, you know, the flight attendant uh, and puppet that he has and how he got started. And man, that puppet is riveting. He had some really great insights on society. He had insights on the industry. And I'm like, damn, this puppet is dropping knowledge. This guy is great. <laughs> and, uh, and then the second part of the interview, he interviewed his handler. Bozo, as Captain Roger affectionately calls him. You know, it's hard when you're a puppet and having a man's arm or hand up your ass all day long and you have no legs. It's very hard to fly an airplane that way. And <laughs> Captain Roger Victor explains it all. His handler, Bozo, uh, also explained, you know, the how he got started, how, you know, when he was a kid uh, or a teen in Israel and how he ended up with a Kermit the Frog puppet. And that really kind of sparked a passion for puppeteering and again some wonderful riveting information and insights on his journey and i just want to say thank you to flight attendant joe for asking some of the funnier questions because he had me rolling and i was very impressed with uh, captain roger victor and bozo's responses so check that out i'll put a link to that podcast at the bottom of the show notes there as well. You can also check out his Facebook page. That's at Facebook uh, forward slash Captain Roger Victor or at speedtapeairlines.com. So check it out. Let us know what you think. Uh, if you can, as a listener, send out a word saying, hey man, you need to go on the Squawk Ident podcast with these guys. I'd love to have them. Uh, let's see if we can make that happen. Uh, for the show, that pretty much wraps it up. We're reporting from Honolulu's Prince Waikiki Hotel has been a blast. This is a, a great hotel. I've recorded many a podcast here. Uh, the views are spectacular. Uh, as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to crank open these giant windows here that uh, slide open about seven feet wide and get the fresh air from the Pacific. Nice. Oh, my God. It's... It's spectacular. And Rob, next time uh, I do a, a Hawaii trip, 
Uh, and it's uh, open in the back, open invite, man. Just uh, non-rev with me. We can hang out. And unfortunately, I need to do that. Can't because I've been in too many, like Minneapolis. No offense, Minneapolis, but your city isn't fun anymore. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Chicago at the Hilton yeah, airport. At the airport no, Hilton, I've done that's those. That's not too. fun anymore either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all these all these airports are just, i mean all these hotels are like you explained are just you know there's nothing to do and it's boring thank god the overnights i've had have been short you know basically 10 and a half 11 hours you know you're there you just shut your eyes you wake up and it's time to go back to work so yeah yeah i'll well, have to make out make my way out to hawaii one for day. sure we'll go for a run together or something well, and well, pretty soon coming up, and I know it's not going to happen immediately because California is under this, you know, secondary restriction now, and they're kind of starting to lock things up again. But as soon as this COVID thing is over, uh, Rob and I were discussing having our very first meetup. That's a Squawk Ident meetup where fans or listeners of the show can come together. Uh, we can have a, a live broadcast, and we want to do that from a very special location in Santa Barbara, California, the Hollister Brewing Company. The Hollister Brewing Company. Yeah. They have a really nice patio outside so you can socially distance distance from each other while still enjoying the company and, you know, taking some of that Pacific Pacific air, the Pacific breeze, and uh, enjoy a really good microbrewed beer from my buddy's uh, restaurant called Hollister. Are they still doing the outdoor seating is okay over there? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's really pushing it big hard now because that's one of the, you know, the few things where he can actually, uh, you know, he has, he had, that's one thing he has over a lot of the other restaurants or, or microbreweries in the area is that he has a really nice patio area out there, a large patio area. So he can quit, he can fit quite a few people out there and, um, and still provide a good service and, you know, some good beer and food. So yeah. he's doing pretty good. So pretty soon, let's let's get together and get that going here. Um, Absolutely. You know, and and Chris, do you have any uh, any last words you'd like to send out to the podcast world? Uh, no, I, they don't want to hear anything that I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> On the contrary, uh, we, my friend. Yeah. Man, yeah. it's anything you say is interesting. Man, if people haven't people haven't heard it. I'm sure they'll want to hear it because it's well, it's good stuff. Well, see, I don't know how to get it up on the screen there and show it, but I'll show him. We'll just <laughs> talk. You guys were talking about simulators, flying Rob was, and you know, getting all the training. Remember the the Malaysian flight that triple seven that disappeared, and they were yeah. showing the little setup that the captain had. You know, he built himself a simulator oh, yeah. in there, and he's like, "Oh my god." Wait, he was really into it. Wait, this is a triple seven simulator that Johnny in the flight office built in a spare bedroom in his house. Wow! So, for those that don't know, here at Legacy Airlines, we we recently had retire someone in our flight office in Los Angeles. He is a musician, uh, really a savant. I mean, he remember he was he remembered everything. Well, he's showing me a video of, and this is a. A triple, triple seven. seven cockpit he recreated. We're talking switches and lights, and oh my god, it's like be, I could only imagine people are really into that, that stuff. It's like and a class they, two they sim, really make yeah. a real kind of like level C uh, flight simulator in their house, pretty much, you know, no motion. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Yep, 
That's that's yep. the video display that it has. Yeah, look at that. That is amazing. Yeah, that that is really passionate right there about flying. That is so cool. So then I asked, yeah, Johnny, where did you get all the parts? Yeah, good well, question. it was. Um, you have to remember, I, I I used to work in supply, and I am from Long Beach. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to ask you anymore. <laughs> And ladies and gentlemen, uh, that concludes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, well. Yeah. That is cool. You know, that's yeah, absolutely that, there's cool. There's a real business for that kind of stuff. I mean, there's charge people that, that fly virtual, you know, virtual airlines, and they build that stuff in their basement or whatever in their bedroom. Yeah. And they have like a virtual reality airline across the world. I mean, they have scheduled flights and. They do everything we do with like real time weather. It, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a pretty cool little world they got going. Yeah. Well, that wraps up episode fifty one. Thank you for joining us here on Squawk Ident. I want to say thank you to all of the frontline workers out there: the doctors, nurses, pharmacists, EMTs, medical techs, firefighters, law enforcement, grocery store employees, truck drivers, Amazon workers, and of course. All of the airline employees that show up to work every single day to provide the essential services that they do. Are you enjoying Squawk Ident? I truly hope so, as do we all. Please review the show on your favorite podcast player. Share it with a friend. And, you know, we love reviews. So listener feedback and reviews are great. Send us DMs on the social media anytime. uh, And I do my best to respond to every single one of those. You can also send us audio feedback and comments via the website. That's at www.aviatortony.com. That's Alpha, Victor, the number eight, Romeo, Tango, Oscar, November, Yankee.com. And just last week, I just registered a new domain. That's the squawkidentpodcast.com. That's squawkidentpodcast.com. If you go there, it's just going to redirect you right to aviatortony.com. But we're getting bigger. Things are happening. This is great. There you can check out episode cover art. You can check out the pilot shop, photos from the flight line. You can also find the audio archive from past shows and the guest book photo tab or the photo page where we post pictures of our guests, uh, interviews from the show and a little uh, visual medium for a compliment to their journeys and the stories that they've given us over the the past episodes you can also contribute to the show and help us by becoming a producer of the squawk ident podcast either with a one-time or recurring contribution right there on the home screen facebook and instagram users can search squawk ident podcast and youtube and twitter users can search aviator tony and squawk ident to follow on the socials if you're listening on an apple podcast player or spotify app we would really appreciate some kind words leave us a review uh anything is fine critical or otherwise you make sure you subscribe to squawk ident and then you can leave us a review and then click on the library on the bottom of your screen at least on the apple podcast player and click on shows and click on squawk ident and that's where you can write a review right there there's a link one final thank you to my squawk ident crew to captain roger to rob d and to Captain Chris joining us today on this wonderful mobile recording of the Squawk Ident podcast. And as always, thank you 
for taking the time to listen to this grateful aviator. Keep the dirty side down, be safe, and take care of each other.